What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. TV money is TV money. And, I, and, and, and I've said this so many times. Somehow college athletics officials have sold their fans on rooting for how much revenue they make, not how many games we actually can win. SI's Russ Gellinger. We're within weeks, maybe. Even some might say days of, of some kind of um, imminent decision here, whether that's Pac-12 stays together or Pac-12 goes goes under. And SI's Pat Forty! I, I'm, I know it's hard. And that's the thing, I think, looking at these four guys that are talking, that you could go four for four, be really good NFL quarterbacks, you could go 0 for four. Probably going to go somewhere in between. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan! Uh, welcome to the pod, and uh, if there was the, the single most predictable thing to happen in the year of 2023 has now occurred. The single What's most that? predictable thing. What would this be? Anthony Richardson was going to show up at the NFL draft combine and be crowned as the next, I don't know what, <laughs> higher upside than Brady and Montana combined. this is not unusual because we've all marveled at all of the physical skills of anthony richardson florida quarterback the last few years and wondered my lord if this guy ever gets it together he's unstoppable right and sure enough six foot four 244 he he measures in at he sets the all-time combine quarterback broad jump and high jump uh, and vertical leap uh not high jump vertical leap Clocks in at a 4-4-3, and then he does his passing drills right behind Ohio State C.J. Stroud, who's in the running for, you know, the first or second quarterback pick. Looks awful good. Got some velocity deal of, like, I think he threw 62 miles an hour. So, you know, he's in there with the greatest of all time in that. I mean, Anthony, if, if the combine was a thing, like, like, maybe that should be the new Olympic decathlon. Of NFL Combine. <laughs> Anthony Richardson is built for the Combine, man. <laughs> so now everyone in the NFL is like, well, you know, could he go top five? Could he go? <laughs> could he go? No. Bryce yeah. Young's only five foot ten and a quarter. All of that. Thoughts on Anthony Richardson this week? It was fun to, if you like watching this stuff, and I'm a glutton for punishment and i actually occasionally do enjoy watching the combine i won't watch them all but it was something else to watch this guy just perform but can he be a nfl quarterback because he certainly was not a great college quarterback pat what do you think as you said he's built for the combine i will believe it when i see it that he's built for sundays i don't know i you're right that everything that happened at the combine is everything we've all watched and thought Right. Oh, Bryce Young, small. Oh, well, yeah, we knew that. I also saw him, you know, absolutely carve up some incredibly good defenses and make hero play after hero play after hero play. Anthony Richardson was one of those guys everybody was talking about from preseason 2021. And he had two years to become something other than just a physical colossus. And he never really did. Doesn't mean he can't. He might just, you know, not be as on as fast a developmental track as as Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And yeah, you do love physical gifts, but man, I would be extremely leery 
uh, of drafting him high. And same thing with Will Levis. I just I didn't see enough production in the areas that tend to really, really matter for NFL quarterbacks. So I, I would say buyer beware. As much as Dan enjoys the combine, I don't enjoy the combine. <laughs> I watched very little, but obviously I saw the video. The slow motion video. I love the slow motion video of Anthony Richardson going up for his record uh, vertical vertical <laughs> jump. I don't know how a, a vertical jump uh, is going to help him play quarterback, but uh, I uh, he he definitely is. There was evidence there on the field that um, Anthony Richardson is is what we all thought, and that is an athletic freak, you know. And um, I think we all know that being a quarterback, right, is is more than having athleticism. So I'm kind of with Pat there, right? I believe it when I see it, and very much uh, uh, buyer beware. It'll be interesting. Like where where was he projected? I don't even know. Like where was he projected going into the combine, and and how have those projections have they changed so i i don't know I, i'm not following the mock drafts and i don't really know yeah. i did talk to a number of nfl teams across the last you know six months about anthony richardson and i and i believe this is still the case including a few since the season ended and the the bit was like top 10 or fourth round and I and it's like you know tell me I'm wrong I can't right mm -hmm. tell me I got this wrong I don't know I don't know I think he was he I think people thought he'd end up in the first round because the most predictable thing was he was going to go to Indianapolis and every single yeah. I mean these are jaded these are people who have been watching players work out for 30 years for and they're all like sitting on the edge of their seat you know going oh yeah. my lord like yeah. this is Cam Newton type stuff where you're just like physically, I don't know. The whole thing is the, the, the NFL's temptation is look at the physical gifts on this guy. And he's only 20 and is in two years. He didn't, he wasn't surrounded by great talent. He had to switch coaches. I mean, you're right. We can make a million excuses. You say, I'm taking him above Will Levis, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm sold on Will Levis, you know, right. and, or, or, or you're going to look back and go, wait, you didn't take this, Colossus of an athlete with unbelievable potential. You took the five ten guy, and <laughs> who isn't you know, and, and, and you know, so that's the thing. The problem is the five ten guy is really good at actual football. Yes, right. Like he's so unbelievable beating but, teams on the field and making plays that yeah. beat teams on the field. Yeah, forget the comp, like great at the combine. How about great at the football? Yeah, but. You sit there and go, I, I got to take a guy this size for 17 games. Like, he's not going to make it. And, you know, these are the, this is the, this is the, the, the terrifying part. But so I think he has raised his draft status because I think there's a bit of like, this is a great athlete. And then you're looking and going, what if I'm designing plays where I have a 244 pounder running a four three and he can, vertical leap over 10 feet or something like that or whatever. I mean, not 10 feet, but broad jump 10 feet, that type of stuff where it's just like, I mean, what are the, let me see his number. His, yeah, his broad was 10 foot, nine inches. His vertical is 40, 40 and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, my God. So that's it. I don't know. It's going to be wild to see where this goes. He'll have his pro day. Bryce Young, they're all concerned because of the size. Now they're like, well, he's right. 204, but he's thin shouldered, you know, Great, but draft process is crazy. Remember, you know they they always get I mean, it wrong. That's the problem. <laughs> That's it's it's by far the most important position, and they still get it wrong a lot. But I, you know, I I I, I'm, I know it's hard, and that's the thing. I think looking at these four guys that are talking, that you could go four for four, be really good NFL quarterbacks. You could go zero for four, probably going to go somewhere in between, but. You are talking about the size concerns about Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud's not a real big guy either. And while he was phenomenal against Georgia, he had some other games where you could kind of rattle him, I think, and, and uh, disrupt his poise to a degree. Will Levis, I'm again unsold. But what if he turns out to be a Jason Allen type with, you know, just a great athlete with a great arm who just needs to be in a better system? And, and can learn a lot. And then Richardson, yeah, who knows? 
Josh Allen. Josh Allen. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Bills guy. Thank you. Jason Allen. <laughs> little known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the backup at Wyoming. Never quite made it. Uh, no, that's it. Well, yeah, that's the thing, Josh. I don't know. That's, that's a decision I don't want to make because I could talk myself into any of them. But, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a show. Anyway, we got plenty of time for draft talk and all of that. But uh, it was it was the, the NFL has come to see what all of us have been waiting for in college football for years, that uh, this guy is this guy is really unique. But uh, then uh, watch the film and you go, well, I don't know. Uh, it, it seems like it's possibly there. All right. We, there's a ton of stories to get to here. One of them is uh, Ross. You were down at Alabama and uh, talked to uh, the King, Coach Coach Nick, Coach Saban, and uh, he's not happy. Coach Saban is not too happy about the belief that he is going. The Alabama, so so SEC is going to go to nine conference games if they go to nine conference games. Right? They have not yeah. officially decided that, but mm. if they do, each team is expected to have three rivalry games that they will play every single year. And then the other six will feature the rest of the teams that will rotate to. So you play every team in the league every other year, but you play three teams every single year. Right. So already they're jockeying like it's, uh, you know, it's the backstretch of, of Talladega to get in position to say, well, you know, we want, everybody wants Vanderbilt as their natural rival. I think everyone's sending uh, notes to the SEC Boy, you know, we played that, that Vandy game is really a big one every year for us. Um, you know, the, our fans really get excited for the Vandy game. Uh, and everyone's trying to avoid having to play Georgia, Alabama. Every year. Anyway, Alabama, they're th- they're they're expected three permanent rivals. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, Ross. Their games are going to be Auburn. Obviously, got to play that LSU. It's been the biggest game for the last X number of years. And then finally, um, Tennessee which is the, the the game every October they've played for all these years. Nick Saban does not – he's not happy with this, Ross. What's the story? Yeah, go back uh, go back to your Vanderbilt. Uh, as somebody, somebody within the league told me, uh, everybody is, um, is, is uh, bringing up their long historic rivalry with Vanderbilt lately <laughs> and how it must be continued. But, yeah, so, you know, just to give everybody background on kind of the situation – the SEC now for more than a year has been trying to – has been debating among the – there's been a pretty good debate among the ADs and the coaches about eight or nine games, you know, when you when you, when you you get Texas and Oklahoma in the league. And so they've kind of narrowed it down to two finalist formats. There's a nine-game format that Dan mentioned where you play three permanents and six rotational, and there's an eight-game format where you play one permanent and seven rotational. In either format, you play everybody every other year. You play everybody – twice every four years, home and away. So it makes a lot of sense, actually. I think the formats are great. With the eight-game format, you don't get that secondary rivalry in. You know, you eliminate secondary rivalries like Auburn, Georgia, like Alabama, Tennessee, like Texas Texas A&M, the, the, the new revival of that you'd eliminate, um, you wouldn't have. So in the 3-6, as everybody expected, right, it's easy to pick everybody's primary rival. It's even easy to pick everybody's secondary permanent team it's really hard to get to a third actually uh it's it's difficult i had i threw out a few lists over the last few months or so and have changed it here and there and the latest one i put out there you know i think is pretty close but it's it's hard it's hard to pick that that third one in so coach Saban, when I, i was in with him uh yeah i got got pretty uh animated about about alabama's proposed three permanents and i think all the schools have basically be been sent like you know here's your three or here's the here's the four that we're looking at to make you know three of the four your your three. I think everybody's kind of been sent proposals in Alabama was sent the LSU, Tennessee, Auburn proposal, and you would think Auburn's a definite right primary, Tennessee's their secondary, and then the third is is difficult, and you want to have balance in the league, but man, it's 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 um it's really tough to not every year play the most watched game for the last decade in college football, basically on an average. Um, So it's tough. And I think the league is doing things based on, again, primary, secondary rivalries, geographic footprint. And then the third thing is the balance of the league. And you've got, you know, we talked about this on the show before, a top tier and a bottom tier in the SEC, kind of historically. And what Coach Saban told me, 
right, was is that the league is using a 10-year success metric. They're going back 10 years basically in compiling, I would assume using conference standing. I didn't get specifics with him on that, but I would assume they're using conference record for the last 10 years. And so they're trying to give everybody in the top eight of conference records two, you know, as far as permanents, two permanent in the top in one permanent opponent in the bottom. They're, they're trying to get everybody in the bottom eight, two bottoms in one top. And so I think if you did the compiling, you would see that Tennessee is in the bottom in Auburn LSU in the top. So in a balance wise, Alabama's is, is pretty good, right? It's pretty it's supposed to be pretty balanced. However, Coach Saban's argument was that Tennessee uh, should be in the top based on the last couple years and based on the trajectory and based on 30 years or 40 years of metric instead of 10. So, yeah, he was pretty vocal about that. Uh, however, I don't think the league office is going to be changing those proposed three. Yeah, that's, you know, one one issue with this is clearly, like, if, if you've got your top eight, bottom eight, so to speak, Tennessee's the one that kind of doesn't fit in the bottom eight historically and currently, to, to Saban's point. But the numbers are the numbers. They're trying to do this as dispassionately as possible to come up with this. And, you know, I'm, it's kind of sorry for your luck, Alabama. These are the teams that, that, that move the needle for your fans and for you to play and keep playing them. And uh, I can understand feeling like you're probably going to get the toughest schedule out of anybody, but... Somebody has to. That's you want a 16 team conference? You get some hard matchups. That's the way it goes. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're compiling conference, if you eliminate Alabama because they have more conference, they have they might have twice as many conference titles as anybody else in the league, I think. I think it's 29 compared to like maybe the next one's like 15 or 17. So if you eliminate Alabama, Alabama has the the three most difficult opponents when compiling based on SEC championships, historic SEC championships. Um, and, and that was, that's a point that's been made obviously by people in Tuscaloosa. Poor old. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> he's a completely No sympathy, right. Dan, I, no sympathy. None, none. none. Uh, he's right. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's wrong. Tennessee, Tennessee is a program that can win a national championship, okay? Yeah. And it's one of the it, – it, it, it's well-equipped. Clemson stole its program, said that many times. Clemson just became Tennessee. This is So Nick's looking at these – saying, no, this isn't fair, right? Tennessee's got great potential. Vanderbilt does not. Whatever. There's only so high probably Mississippi and Mississippi Ole Miss are going to get. Something like that. Give me one of those. I don't know. I get it. He's not entirely wrong, but – Someone's got to get it a little tough. Yep. I think the tie can handle it. B, the reason that this stat of the last 10 years, one of the main reasons it's that Tennessee fits into it is because Nick Saban recommended they hire Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> <laughs> Cared so much about well, old Tennessee, maybe you would have done something different a few years ago before he torched the program, among <laughs> other people that have torched the program. Well, yes. Uh, Nick Saban personally kicked the crap out of Tennessee for like a decade straight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that's that. the thing, too, right? That Tennessee's record is as it is because Alabama beat it every year. 15 years in a row. Yeah. I think it was 15 or 16 mm -hmm. years in a row up until this past year. Yep. This is the worst thing that happens to Alabama football this year. Then they're doing pretty well. I don't I, I, I just I can't get the outrage meter out now. But God bless Coach Saban trying to get every little angle. Everyone else is too, so why not? Well, and I think uh, I think people within the league are uh, there's a lot of uh, reaction to that story, um, and I think people in the league, the way they're reacting is exactly right. The way the way Dan reacted, poor old Alabama, you know, cry me a river kind of thing. And and then the other reaction I got from maybe some more official type people were. Uh, was more like, hey, you know, Nick Saban was the one that for years has been crying for more conference games. He wanted to play more games. He he that's true. He kept telling. I expect there's one time maybe he said, hey, let's play ten game conference games. You know, yes. and I and I wrote yes, about he that did. how he he has been he has been on the pulpit and now, you know, 
uh, we're, we're seeing him maybe backtrack a little bit on that, although he still contends that it would be good to play more conference games. But he, he said, I think a quote in there in my story, he said that he believes the SEC should play more conference games and that it would be better for the league and better for the country and, you know, better for the schools and the fan bases. But he said the SEC uh, would be more balanced and would be able to have more parity if they went with the eight game one seven model. The problem with again, the big problem with the one seven model is that you lose secondary rivalry games and that's that's just really tough to swallow. And right now, uh, I think, you know, if you did a, a straw poll of the SEC A D slash president slash coach room, because they're all working together on this. I mean, coaches are influencing athletic directors probably, you know, athletic directors are influencing presidents. Uh, what it comes down to, the, the ADs will make a recommendation probably later this month to the presidents to vote on, uh, maybe in April or something like that. Maybe it goes all the way to the spring meetings, although I don't necessarily expect that. But I think if you did a straw poll last year on this time, you might see an eight to eight split. You really might with the schools. Uh, I think the bottom half of the league would want to go, eight, would want to stay at eight. I think the top half would want to maybe go to nine. Uh, now there are some schools in there that are, there's a little difference. They, there might be a couple top half that want eight in a couple bottoms that might want nine, but it would be eight. It would be around eight to eight uh, or nine to seven or something like that. And now it feels to me like, you know, they're leaning toward nine, that the majority is toward nine, but I don't know if that it's a huge majority. So this is, this has been a real, um, it's been a real touchy kind of subject. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a believer in get those those three games. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, there's certain schools that just, you know, what do you do? Auburn being one, right? You got to play the you got to play the Iron, but you want to play Georgia every year. I mean, maybe you don't because you're going to lose, but it's it's the oldest rivalry in the South, right? Most games or something. Yep. yep, uh, yep. And you want to play? I mean, Auburn for Auburn to be good, they have to be huge in Atlanta in the state of Georgia, you know, obviously you have the Texas conundrum. Uh, they got to, you have to play Oklahoma every year it, yeah. uh, up at the, up at, up in Dallas, but that, they want to play A&M. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they yeah. Play so what do you do with that? Right. Florida, there's a yeah. whole bunch of them, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you want to do. So I hear you coach Saban, but, uh, <laughs> oh, well, <Yeah>. oh, well, <laughs> For yeah. once, Alabama does not have all the advantages. <laughs> they have yeah. to have to try. Yeah. And I still think you'll probably beat Tennessee. I mean, we'll see. Nick's not going to be there for. Well, I don't I won't say that. But if he's don't there next that. 10 years, I got a, a good feeling he'll probably win the majority of those games. Yeah. Yeah. They've lost once to Tennessee in 16 years by he's three already points at the gun to duck on the road. Yeah. That was enough. Yeah. Trying to duck him. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right. There was a lot of reporting. This this remains kind of tumultuous out in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And the Pac-12 may or may not get a television contract that equals the big 12 are the schools out there worried do they have to jump there's you know the, the there's two beliefs obviously that the, the you know the, i think it's about a 31 million dollars that the big 12 got can the pac 12 tv deal that should be coming in fairly soon reach that number as is or do they just literally have to just is it going to be too low and they got to try something new the most obvious are the four, what they call the corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Poor New Mexico is in the corner, but they're not obviously in the league. <laughs> would they jump to the Big 12, which would then enhance that contract? Washington and Oregon still want to get out. Could the ACC sit there and try to take some West Coast teams to rework their their horrible television contract that runs like into the next century? All different stuff on that. What's the latest you've been hearing? And I guess my my main posit is should a bit should a Pac-12 team, should the Pac-12 teams really be looking elsewhere? Or or are they better together regardless of whether they make a little bit less money? That they can make a little bit more money uh, elsewhere. Uh Pat, I'll start with you. Yeah, I 
I think this is a classic case of, you know, grass looking at the greener grass next door, but it may not be better for you to, to chase it again. Now that we have a 12 team playoff in which if the PAC 12 is remotely competent, it will have a spot. I don't see the point for a marginal increase in revenue to go to what would then be a, what a 16 team big 12 to completely dislocate yourself from California in terms of a, a competition slash recruiting area, maybe not so much from recruiting, but from a competition area and to play in that league. I, I just don't think it would be a good idea for those corner schools to do it. I, you know, and I think that it's interesting. This has been really, you know, watching this whole thing unfold as the, as the PAC 12 continues to not announce a deal. Nature abhors a vacuum, right? Media abhors a vacuum. So the vacuum has been filled by all these stories that really sound like they're probably coming from Big 12 sources saying, oh mm, boy, yeah. things are looking bad There's over agendas. there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the more they're seeking to kind of destabilize things and make those schools say, gosh, this isn't, we, maybe we should get out of here. So I, I do think that there's a lot going on. I, Ross and I have talked about this plenty, you know, until some, the Pac-12 puts something on the table and says, this is what we got, we don't really know for sure. We've, we've heard a lot. We can speculate a lot. There's a lot of information and misinformation out there. But until we know, we don't know. And the, the problem is, like, how long do we have to wait until we know? And the longer you wait, the more Big 12 or other people have a chance to kind of sow the seeds of instability. So I, I think that the Pac-12 schools need to just hold their water Take a deep breath, you know, go hit the yoga mat, get a little bit of Zen and wait and see what your deal's going to be before you make any incredibly huge decision about leaving. Yeah, we're on, uh, I think it's nine months. This is the ninth month that we have gone with the uh, speculation and just the stories on the demise of the Pac-12 and the expansion of the Big 12. Uh, it started back in July when USC and UCLA split you know announced their departure from the pac-12 and it's just been this rampant speculation that kind of like died down a little bit you felt in the fall and then it's just like ramped back up again and i think you know obviously you know people have uh, agendas and the people that we talk to even are you know all three of us our sources and and stuff have their own agendas i think it's it's obviously it's our responsibility and stuff to like sift through that and and figure out what is real and it's been really hard to do that with this issue like it's been the most difficult to do that with this you know for 9 months uh, it's like what is real what is not am i being lied to it, it's it's been difficult but i can tell you that in its prior reason, like it, it, I think all three of us have stayed away from from this topic in a lot of ways because it, it has been tough to. We know in this situation, in these realignment stuff, that that people have agendas and in kind of push, try to push up like people like us one way or the other, and and that's that's definitely been an issue uh, here. And but having said all that. It finally feels like we're coming down to the wire and we're coming down to something that is imminent, whether that's Pac-12 staying together and all of them signing a grant of rights in committing or or the Big 12 taking teams and then basically the Pac-12 crumbling um, and, and then the Big 10 maybe coming in and, and further expanding by taking others. So it feels like we're we're within weeks, maybe, even some might say days of, of some kind of... Um, imminent decision here, whether that's Pac-12 stays together or Pac-12 goes, goes under. But, you know, the four, the four corner, it's, it's pretty obvious now for eight or nine months that big 12 officials, you know, led by commissioner Brett Yormark, who is known to be a self-proclaimed deal maker in very aggressive cutthroat kind of guy disruptor. It's pretty obvious he's in pursuit of those schools and his ADs seem behind him to expand and take those, take those schools. So it's, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think, you know, this week is a big week. It's the PAC 12 basketball tournament in 10 Vegas. 
right? Is it in yep. Vegas? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. I, I would They're really expect, claiming Vegas. Uh, they moved their football. Yeah, they are. There. They're they trying to the be flag all in Vegas. It. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But it, it, it's Just a big week because I think the presidents tournament. meet. Yeah, I think the I think the presidents meet uh, have a or have a call this week. Uh, I'm I'm guessing that ads will meet at the men's basketball tournament. That's usually what happens. So could be a lot. Of, got more conversation this week on this topic. See if it's at the Spearmint Rhino or an official uh, capacity in a boardroom somewhere, <laughs> or that super swanky. Remember uh, Larry Scott used to get the super swanky like Rain Man suite at the. Oh at yeah, the, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Like Fifty grand a night or some stuff. All right, so I'm going to say this. I think these schools would be crazy to leave right now. Yeah, crazy. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. Unless the money is like. 15, 20 million under, which is not going to be. You're crazy. TV money is TV money. And, I, and, and, and I've said this so many times. Somehow college athletics officials have sold their fans on rooting for how much revenue they make. <laughs> yeah. Not how many games we actually can win. How mm-hmm. successful we can be. I, as a fan of a team, I've never thought, boy, I hope my owner's getting richer. I hope we're paying all of the people who run the team more money. I hope that the carpet in the locker room gets replaced every six months. So there's no wear or tear. I want to win, right? There's more than one way to make money too. And one thing with not Utah, Utah is roaring at full boat. Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona state suffer from apathy of fans, donors, boosters, community involvement, advertising at the games, the whole thing, right? Yep. Like those three programs have been dormant. And the way to get that money coming, which you control all of, is to win, to compete for championships, to be an exciting situation. You take Colorado, they got Deion Sanders. Coach Prime is there. They are expecting like 35000 now for their spring game. Which at the Colorado all, is preposterous. They literally had like two thousand last year. Yeah, yeah I think it's and the, the all, if they get thirty, it'll it'll be sorry, Dan. I was if they yeah. get thirty thousand, it'll be the the com, it, it'll be the most combined. It'll combine the last fifteen years of their yeah. spring game attendance. <laughs> right. I believe. I'm sorry, yeah. it took me a while to spit in, that one out. In two thousand eight, they had yeah. seventeen thousand eight hundred attend. So they, if they can get up to 35 or so, we'll, I mean, we'll see. But they're expecting to have over 30 already. And it's April. It's still got, you know, it's April 22nd. So we still got a ways yeah. to go. They, you know, they double the all-time record, okay? They're going to make money. Putting Deion Sanders in a 16-team, it's just hard to beat 15 teams out. Yeah. it's. Just, I mean, it's just too many teams. And those teams yeah. are all over the place. Like, all right, we got a great – we're rolling. But it's like, well, so doesn't – UCF or what? So somebody else has got a good team. There's too many teams. You have to win a 16-team league is brutally hard. And if it's easier just getting that muddled middle where you're just like, ah, you want to go to the, go the Colorado game? want to go to the Arizona State game? Ah, what are they, like five and four right now? Eh, you know, right? That's yeah. uh, all right. You want to win. You got a 10-team league that any of these teams can win. Yeah, Oregon's better. Washington certainly can be better, but you've got a chance to be really good in this league and you could be sitting there in a November game saying, Hey, we're eight and one and we're playing eight and one ducks are coming in. And all of a sudden you saw like that creates some energy. If all you're chasing is TV bottom line, not the experience of a possibly competing for championships, competing for playoff spots, having big games, then what is a, like that you're never activating those fans. You're just, you're Boston college. That's what you are. Boston College Athletics sucks. Yep. They used to be really exciting. Then they got a bunch of ACC money, and everybody at Boston College makes more money, and the the athletic department has been horrible for X number of years because they can't really compete. So yeah, it's like, no, they're won? the worst, worst athletic program in the ACC. Congratulations. Right, and then, how, how do you win up there? But, hey, we got that ACC money. We didn't. We didn't get stuck in the Big East, which blew up. If they had just stuck together in the Big East. They'd have a really exciting little uh, football conference and basketball conference in the Northeast, right? But it's mm-hmm. not just like everything fell apart. Syracuse, same thing, right? Uh, different programs. It's so it's like, hey, we got this money. Like, who cares? I like. I'm a, if you're a fan of Boston College and 
haven't, you know, good for you. Still a fan, but it's like, this sucks. Remember when we were good? <laughs> Remember at least we were playing. Yeah, maybe it was we were playing Rutgers, but we were eight and two, you know? Now it's like we're two, we're, we're Clemson shows up and beats us 31 to three every couple of years. But look at that revenue. Show. So don't do it. At least give it the five-year shot and see. You're not going anywhere. You're Arizona State. Like, you're still sitting in Phoenix, the huge TV. Market. Like, someone's going to want you at some point. Yeah. Well, and this I, is, I mean, well, I agree with, with all of it. There are two buckets here, I think, uh, that Pac-12, you know, folks are, are look at. And it, obviously, it's not just the money and getting close to that $31 million in deciding if they were to leave you know, for the big 12 or not. I, I, I think there's a visibility part of this, you know, if, if reports are true that 70, 80% of the TV deal is going to be streaming only. I think that's concerning to, to people, especially in the PAC 12 states and cities that aren't in a big Metro. And the, you know, one that I can think of obviously is Tucson, <laughs> Arizona. And, and those are one, one of the four schools that, that are, uh, I think have you know in communication with the Big Twelve, and and I think that those those schools like that are concerned over the the visibility of the conference when you when you have a majority streaming deal. So uh, I think it's not just money. I think it's I think it's the visibility. the The money. I think a lot of people expect the money to be pl- pretty close. I mean, yeah. certainly within five to seven million dollars a year. And at that point, you know, is it really worth you know, taking the leap, but it, it is the visibility, you know, you know, big 12 has Fox and ESPN on board with, with their new TV, TV package. And, uh, any new member that is a power five member, if the big 12 were to expand gets a, I believe a pro rata share and, uh, of, of the cuts So the TV deal does not, uh, there's no dilution of anybody else's shares. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to discount the the impact that streaming could have on that sort of thing. But, you know, in terms of Pac-12 schools that aren't in major markets, that's exactly two of them. That's Tucson, which really is not tiny, but that's Tucson and that's Pullman. The Oregon schools are close enough to Portland. You know, they're both within, I think, an hour and a half of Portland. And everything else is Bay Area, Salt Lake City, Denver. Boulder is Denver, more or less, you know, so... I just I I don't know. You can you can throw up a lot of reasons for concern. Most of them are legitimate, but I still think in the big picture, you'd be much better off not bailing out of your situation if you are the Pac-12 now that you have a 12-team playoff. Yeah, I agree. Tucson and Tucson's big and growing, so yeah, uh, I think there's at least a million down there. But yeah, I do not do it. Do not do it. Pac-12. This is free consulting by the friendly voices here at the college football inquirer all right a couple other things i wanted to get to basketball pat you had an interesting point you brought up uh it's you know player of the year coach of the year time well i'll let i'll let you i'll let you lay it out here what do you got okay yeah this is the week all right everybody's starting their conference tournaments and so this is the week that school or the conferences announce who is the player of the year who's the coach of the year freshman of the year all league teams all that stuff in the sec in a vacuum in a performance only vacuum the choices are pretty clear, certainly for player of the year freshman year. It's Brandon Miller, right? Alabama. Coach of the year, Nate Oates would, would probably be the guy in a vacuum. However, we have not lived in a vacuum for the last couple of weeks with what's happened at Alabama and the you know revelations that Brandon Miller did drive a murder weapon to the scene of a murder uh, at the request of his teammate, whether it's a co- coincidence that the weapon arrived there with Brandon Miller or whatever the weapon was. You came out of his car and was used to kill somebody. Coincidence. So, and that there's that. And then there's the reaction to that. And Nate Oates is incredibly tone deaf at best responses to that. There was the pat down. There's the fact that neither he nor the other players involved, Jaden Bradley that was there have missed a single second of playing time because of this. Uh, and so should that affect something like, whether he wins the player of the year. Uh, it's, it's I've, I've heard from a couple people like, man, what are we supposed to do about this? People who vote on that, I don't. 
Uh, but there's two different awards, okay? There's coaches awards and there's AP slash media awards. Those are coming out maybe today, Monday or Tuesday. And we're going to find out, I think, a little bit of whether there's any sort of protest vote to, to Brandon Miller and or Nate Oates. Morality yeah, clause. Is, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a f- fascinating it's part a tough, of this. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like the highest. I mean, we always, we, we talk, you know, every, every, every year the Heisman comes up and uh, this is a discussion is, is the morality kind of ethical, whatever you want to call it, part of, part of the Heisman voting. And, and uh, yeah, this is, um, uh, it, it's something that I think all, many of us kind of gloss over, but Pat in, in, I think uh, Pat had somebody reach out to him last week. They reached out to me and I, I I just because I don't cover basketball, a lot of sent them to Pat, but they were asking, I think they were writing a story about this maybe. And we're asking about what I would, who am I, would I vote for Brandon Miller and, and Nate Oates for these awards? And like I said, I told them I don't cover basketball much, but it, it, I had never thought of that until that person reached out to me, but it's, it's kind of fascinating dynamic to this. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Brandon Miller should be the player of the year in the ACC. <laughs> I don't. Maybe you extend the coach's job to like life lessons and things like that, or trying to you know build better a person, and you could ding uh, uh, Nate Oates for that. Yep. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies suspended John ja Morant. He's out right now because he had a social media post where he's holding a gun and needs some time. He said he's going to spend some time thinking about why he's handling stress the way this whole thing. You know, there was a time when college basketball tried to mold people into now it's like, man, we only got this guy for like six more games, better play him. <laughs> you know, right? We talked last week. You know, Jalen Carter, hey, you got a going eighty nine and a forty five. No penalty. No. Two months yeah. later going a hundred and a forty five. Someone you know, someone else dies. You know, another guy gets you know, there's no suspensions. We've we've given up. They've given up on it. Some people are doing it, but not many. The not big many. schools aren't. You know where the trend is going. Play them. It's up to the NFL and the NBA now to uh, mm-hmm. to uh, try to try to help. But quite honestly, John Morant's more valuable than Memphis. They need him for ten years, right? Yeah. College teams yeah. are like I, this guy's value to me in college. Forget being a good person. I've given up believing that. Like there's people out there that care about trying to make them good people. It's just straight value proposition. It's like, I need this guy for three months. And, but Memphis is sitting there saying, I need him for 10 years. Let's, let's try to s- smooth this out. I can't lose the franchise. So maybe you ding Nate Oates for that, but I don't know how you don't make Brandon Miller the player of the year. Uh, That's the thing. First of all, I mean, like there's no competition, right? Oscar Shibway would, I guess, be the closest thing to it. And he hasn't been as good this year as he was last year for Kentucky and their team hasn't been as good. Yeah. So, you know, the danger in all of this is is most of us in the media or whatever, we have some information on these guys. We don't have all the information. So you may say, well, Brandon Miller doesn't meet the lofty character standards I would like to see for the SEC Player of the Year. So I'm going to give it to that guy. And then you may find out later, oh, that guy did what? Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, this is college basketball. It's not like, you know, (laughs) we have a bunch of Eagle Scouts necessarily walking around here. So. If you're deciding one guy's, you know, pure, be careful on that decision. Now, with, with Nate Oates and the coach of the year, there's, there's some other candidates there. You know, you can, Dennis Gates at, at Missouri, they were, I think, picked 11th preseason. They ended up 4th. Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, picked 12th, ended up 6th. Buzz Williams at Texas A&M, they ended up runner-up in the league. So, you can you find yeah. some reasons. Yeah. yeah. But tough not to give it to Brandon Miller. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, here's one that is I'm almost terrified to even get involved in. Uh, you want to you want to think uh, it's easy to dole out discipline as an athletic director. Texas Tech, Texas Tech coach mm. Mark mm. Adams has been suspended. Mm. Now I'm reading a Jeff Goodman story from uh, WatchStadium.com. So there is an investigation into an inappropriate, unacceptable, and racially insensitive comment made to a player last week. Adams told Stadium the comments he made were not racist and that he was quoting a Bible verse when he told one of his players that there is, quote, always a master and always a servant, end quote. I was quoting the scripture, Adams told Stadium. It was a private conversation about coaching when you have a job and being coachable. I said that in the Bible, 
in the Bible that Jesus talks about how we all have bosses and we are all servants. And I was quoting the Bible about that. One of my players said it bothered the player. Adam said, I explained to them. I didn't apologize. Okay, so we have on one side a inappropriate, unacceptable, racially insensitive comment. On the other side, we have a guy saying he's quoting scripture. How'd you like to get in the middle of that decision? <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why you were to, you, you were scared to really touch this uh, uh, this issue, Dan. I, <laughs> I mean, they're gonna. <laughs> I, I, that, you should not say. I'm, I'm going to say it. I, fine. You want to believe every word that comes out of the Bible is good. Don't use that one. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Don't. Think, yeah. Okay. This think? is. I'm on the inappropriate. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. But the defense yeah. is, I was quoting scripture, you're going to get some support on that. Oh, sure. That's so, all you got to say. Holy cow. Now we're into something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I mean, talking about masters and servants, that's not, I mean, that, no. that come, you got to be mm-hmm. smarter than that. that. There's all sorts yeah. of stuff in the Bible that you mm. don't just repeat. I mean, you don't talk about like yeah, a lot of a lot of trading your daughters off for yeah. for I mean I mean go yeah. read Leviticus I mean my right. goodness <laughs> right. I mean eh, uh, <laughs> yeah this is not polite no. company stuff there I mean it is a violent I mean there's a lot in the Bible like you just are like oh, okay yeah. right I mean this is not that is a terrible defense but the defense will work with some people I don't know holy. If you go Old Testament, <laughs> you are running the risk uh, in the, quoting anything from the Old Testament of, of saying something really outrageous and outlandish. Kirby Oakens so. is like, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> but that, I think this would qualify as know your audience. You're a 66-year-old white coach. I'm not sure you go into the locker room talking about masters and slave and servants or whatever. You the do case not. Is with your, you do yeah, not. I'm I'm pretty sure you don't. You know, if you want to go home and talk to your wife about that, you do that. I, but I, for the love of God, if you want to just nuke your career, that's a great way to do it. That is not the way you try to tell a guy he needs to be more coachable. <laughs> like, dude, also, you got to box out more. You know, and I'm going to use a, I mean, what are we talking about here? It's basketball. Your team stinks. Like, really? This is an intelligence test, and he failed it. I don't care if it's in the Bible or not. I mean, but. Well, here's the, what the question say? now. Go ahead. No, no I was going to say, like, what just, what does it say also about the relationship between the coach and the player that I assume, you know, after this conversation, the player went and told people that this happened. So that not surprised. Probably walked out of there going, I cannot believe what I just heard. Right. Right. I cannot believe what I just heard. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. We just got lectured about being good servants to the mass. I'm guessing Mark Uh, Adams's time at Texas tech is limited. We'll see. He'll be back. Yeah. Well, that's the, maybe, but we'll see. The problem is they're losing. Yeah, that's that's he's just given more ammo to people that are mad that he hasn't maintained what Chris Beard had built. By the way, Chris Beard is available. Chris Beard is available. Mm-hmm. Where will Chris Where will Chris Beard go? Will uh, he go back? To will Texas he go back? Tech. It was an acrimonious parting. They were really mad at him for leaving, but they would also probably take him back in about. Five oh minutes. yeah, oh yeah. We forget forget all that. Yeah, that's the thing too. A part part of this, if they they're six, they're sixteen and fifteen, I think, or sixteen and sixteen, something like that. What if, yeah, what if they were were sitting at twenty four and in eight? Uh, I wonder um, how if this decision yes. would be any different. Just saying, Coach Adams' piety would be much more important then. <laughs> All right, uh, staying in Texas, Ross, you you had a story on. Uh, Texas A&M staying on the forefront of NIL discussions. What do we got? What what happened? Yeah, so, you know, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, Texas A&M announced a new NIL initiative. Actually, Texas A&M did announce it. Texas A&M's foundation announced it. The uh, fundraising arm for the university announced that they would be starting a new NIL initiative. Basically, the foundation of Texas A&M has created this NIL portion of their 
foundation where boosters can donate to the NIL initiative in the foundation operates it in it distributes donations to athletes through NIL deals. Basically, the Texas A&M's fundraising arm has a collective, an NIL collective. So it's running NIL through the foundation. This is a, a hot topic um, in the NIL space. In It got hotter last week uh, when the NCAA distributed a memo that we, we got a hold of uh, to all schools, basically targeting Texas A&M, you know, saying, just reminding everybody that, you know, schools can't facilitate deals. Entities representing schools can't facilitate deals. And, oh, by the way, you can't give priority points and seating and such like that for NIL, uh, to, to NIL donations uh, in, in Texas A&M's announcement or their foundation's announcement had said that they'll be giving priority points. So this is um, this has set off quite a crap storm in the NIL space. And everybody in the SEC, a bunch of schools in the SEC, are all now exploring this, running their NIL through the foundation. Thing is, it's not brand new. Arkansas has been doing something fairly similar for several months now. And, um, you know, all other SEC schools are starting to explore this. And so if the NCAA doesn't come down and, and kind of enforce this or say openly that this is illegal, you're going to see this popping up at a lot of places. And it gives schools the oversight and control on NIL on collectives. Yeah, this uh, this will be definitely be one to watch. And I, the, the NCAA did put out a statement, which is not terribly common, saying that Texas A&M apprised us of this but did not seek approval or get approval for this <laughs> arrangement. And I think it's safe to say, like Coach Saban, the NCAA has been watching what's been going on with Texas A&M's collectives and NIL and recruiting. And so that could be one to watch as the NCAA attempts to get its enforcement arms around the entire enterprise. I was told that they did not involve themselves in this in the recruiting process. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Coach Fisher. I'm not sure what they're even bothering with. Yeah, A&M, by the way, notified notified the SEC and the NCAA both, and both did no such thing as approve or rub, you know, stamp it. And so not just the NCAA, but I think the league in general uh, has their concerns over this as well. Well, we're going to see if anyone does anything about it. Yep. So yeah. Eventually, yeah, this has got to come to a head. Like they did the Miami thing, but they kind of they danced around it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and just the, the, the women's basketball coach got suspended. But at some point, they're going to have to make a ruling on this. I don't know if that ruling will ever stand. I mean, it's there. It's a game of chicken right now. And um, mm -hmm. go ahead and we'll, we'll see. But I, I have faith in the Aggies are on up and up. <laughs> um, would never do anything. Wrong. All right. Creep, creepiest story uh, of the week. Um, I'm a little terrified that some listeners saw this story and immediately sent it to me. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from Peru. A man named uh -oh. uh, Juan Caesar Baramahu. I don't know. Whatever. We'll just call him Juan Caesar. Sure. Yeah. Juan Caesar is a uh, food delivery guy. And uh, so he has a one of those bags. It's like, Keep it, keep it warm, fancy food delivery bags. And he was at a park. He was on duty. Uh, so this is he's had multiple issues here. He was on duty, but he was a stop for drinking in a park in Peru. He's hanging out, having a couple drinks in a park. And it turns out he was showing a couple friends what was inside his uh, food delivery bag. And it was a 600 to 800-year-old mummy. Oh, a God. mummy. Yeah. <laughs> was in his keep cooler it warm. bag. <laughs> or cold either way i mean they've got yeah. a picture he's up on this hill it's a nice nice uh quality work by the pictures quality view what? of this park and uh he has a uh he has the mummy in the food delivery bag so um the cops obviously came Juan Caesar oh my said, god uh, i see the pictures oh my god yeah 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 there's a mummy in there Oh I God. take care of her, and she takes care of me. Come oh, on. Okay? 
ter- terrifying. Uh, the the and he he has named the mummy Juanita. <laughs> <laughs> this is creepy beyond oh, creepy, including like God. weekend at Bernie's, like to the centuries. <laughs> she she is like my spiritual girlfriend. I'm not yeah thinking. spiritual friend. Spiritual friend. The joke is that the authorities have examined the mummy, and the mummy appears to be male. So um, oh, that might okay. That's yeah okay. But <laughs> I don't know that it matters. <laughs> You're spending that no. much time <laughs> no. with a mummified thing. So I don't know. Uh, but the, the <laughs> Juan Caesar has been uh, charged, and there's an actual law against this, and he could face five years in jail. I like that someone wrote a law. To, uh, to, you know, I would not have thought that this would have been a thing, but it's called possession of historical patrimony. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm yeah, sure when I they wrote know. the law, they probably didn't think that it would be used on someone toting around a 600-year-old mummy in a warming cooling bag. But here we are. Yeah. Well, I, I wish my Peruvian export were home. Uh, she's... Stepped out for the morning here. My my daughter sometimes lives in Peru with the Peace Corps, but they've actually uh, been relocated because of government unrest. She's going back in April. But one of the things she did say about their culture down there is they are very almost like they they're humored almost by death. Like they 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 make <laughs> a lot of jokes about it. Seriously, they they, yeah. they like hang, they hang out and party in the cemetery. Uh, so I, I would, I would like to get her interpretation of this. I see this is in Puno, which I don't think is near where she has been living, but Puno, uh, Peru. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll get a little, uh, I'll get right. a little interpretation on that. More importantly, why did people send this to me? I have nothing to do yeah. with this type of, yeah. <laughs> get a weird story. Send it to Dan I get, Wetzel. I get what it's like, you know, Florida man drinks too many bush lights, steals lawnmower. I totally get it, right? I'm, I'm getting yet those. you yet we're we're talking about it. Look, they sent yeah, it to it you, worked. and you couldn't help yourself. Yeah. yeah. See? All right, one final one before we go. National Park Service, our friends at National Park Service. We've certainly had a number of these stories. Uh, animal attacks. They got a little cheeky uh, last week in a tweet. Uh, they said because uh, it's bear season coming up, and it said if you come across a bear. Never push a slower friend down, <laughs> even if you feel the friendship has run its course. <laughs> What's going with this up with the park service? <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> <Your ass. laughs> Remember the guy on a date who he was on a date oh, and yeah, the bison, right. the bison attacked yeah. the date and he ran and the the the, yeah. the, 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 the woman got gored. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, worst yeah. worst date ever. <laughs> God, like, how do you? <laughs> he did not by protect way, her you, at all. He just ran and uh, let her get yeah. run over by the bison. It was like a park yeah. service. So yeah. don't do that. I get. I mean, I guess they're saying nice things here, but still, like, why put that in someone's head? Well, park service. <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably just giving people ideas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the other flip side of that is. If you're going to go into areas that have bears around, always go with someone slower than you. Yeah. So that you can or, escape. Mm-hmm. Or, or you a go. rifle. But yeah, yeah. you got to have, <laughs> I don't know. Just doesn't seem like the park service. I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little <laughs> disturbed. They're stir crazy. They're up there. They must be like, this tweet must be emanating from like a snowed in like cabin on the Grand Tetons or something. <laughs> Well, speaking of bears, by the way, uh, if you haven't yet, take it from me. Go see Cocaine Bear. You will laugh. Your oh, ass I off. know. I got to see. You saw uh, it. You will you laugh it? your ass off. It is hysterical. I will watch well, it again we, right yeah. now. We hyped it earlier. Well, I've been meaning to get. I didn't want to get to it this weekend and could not. Cocaine Bear is coming. I'm just Everything happy it's not want. a Marvel movie. That's all I want. I don't. I hate comic <laughs> books. I don't. I haven't seen a movie in years. They don't make movies that aren't comic books. Yeah. It's true, but that's not that's heck. The, the, it's a it's loosely based on a true story. Bear, right? In, uh, very in, in loosely, <laughs> very loosely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I believe the story is like somebody was flying a plane with a bunch of cocaine in it, and they thought they're going to get mm-hmm. caught, so they threw the cocaine out of the plane, like yep. they were smuggling it, and that landed in the woods. And eventually, no one knew that, but then they found uh, somebody found the bear 
surrounded by open packages of Coke and the bear was dead, right? Is that right. the, I believe Correct. that's the story. Right. So yeah. this movie yeah. says what yes. happened in between the landing of that, yeah. the bear finding the Coke and mm -hmm. ODing on the Coke. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tremendous work by whoever came up with that concept. <laughs> Could you imagine like the pitch meeting for that? Here's yeah. what we got. We got a bear overdosing on cocaine. What do you think? Green light. Green yeah. light. It's better than how much what's money, the origin story of this fringe character from uh, some comic book? No. <laughs> uh, Give me cocaine bear. Give me cocaine bear too. Give me marijuana bear. Give me opioid bear. I don't care. <laughs> Let's turn this into but, a franchise. I was listening to another oh, podcast and they said, yeah, the sequel will be will be uh, uh, meth crocodile will be the, the sequel to cocaine <laughs> bear. Meth Probably. crocodile. Well, and you know what? Uh, or alligator, at least. That sounds a very Florida man possible. Yeah, that was yeah there you go. Coming live from Ocala. Uh, <laughs> fentanyl gator. All right, that's our that's our show. We're down down. This isn't going well. Um, please continue <laughs> to uh, listen and uh, share us on social media. Subscribe, and uh, we be back uh, later this week. March Madness getting cranked up. All sorts of stuff going on. We will talk to you later.